Welcome to the Readings Podcast, a celebration of books. I'm Nico Callaghan. In today's episode, a conversation with Dominique Rock, the author of In Search of Perfumes. This book is a fragrant journey across the world, revealing the beauty and mysteries of the perfume trade. Fruits, flowers, spices, bark, leaves and branches are just some of the natural ingredients from the plant world that are used in the creation of perfume. Dominique Rock Travelling from Andalusia to Somaliland by way of Bulgaria, Laos, El Salvador, Indonesia and Egypt, describes his search to find the best natural ingredients, precious to perfumers everywhere. In Search of Perfumes demonstrates how the prestigious multi-million pound perfume industry may begin its life as a single plant harvested by producers surviving on ancestral traditions and techniques, and often risking their lives in the process as they combat the rising threat of climate change. Rock reveals the beauty and mysteries of a familiar trade, a return to the source of the world sense. Rock was interviewed by the Readings Programming Manager, Chris Gordon. Here's Chris. Hello everybody, my name is Christine Gordon and I work at Readings in the programming area, but I'm delighted today to introduce you to Dominic Rogues, who's written a book called In Search of Perfume. This is a sort of a travel sensory type of book. It covers history, the environment, locations, but also your work as a sorcerer. But can you explain the book to me? Can you explain it to the readings community? I will try. I will try. <laughs> so coming back to, we have to start with what, what is a perfume? A perfume is a combination of a uh, uh, many, many ingredients. Some of them are synthetic. Perfumers need that as a structure for their creations. But the wealth, the richness, uh, what makes a perfume unforgettable is the presence of the natural ingredients. So what do we call natural ingredients? For instance, rose oil would be one, a jasmine absolute would be another. And there are maybe, uh, you know, a few hundreds. So all over those decades, my, my job was to go at the origin of these ingredients. Where do you find them? Who grows the aromatic plants at the source of these stories? It grew, what was at first a job, grew into a passion because what I found at the origin is uh, so rich in history, in the humility of, of the people who do this, and so far from the, the luxurious image that we have of perfume when it's a finished product that I was completely moved until at some point I felt I really had to write this book about them. So in a way, this is a celebration of the farmers across the world. Yes, not only the farmers, because, you know, the chain is the following. Some people in Bulgaria will grow fragrant roses. Then these people will pick them and we'll sell them to someone who has a distillery. And this person, whom I named the producer, turns the flowers into an essential oil. And this is what the perfumer need. They need to receive it in form of an extract. So my tribute, my encounters, is both about farmers and producers with amazing characters in all areas, because many things also happen not only in the fields, but in forests, with perfume trees, in deserts sometimes. So it's completely fascinating. So why is a book like this, given where we are in the world sort of politics, why is a book like this important now? 
Dominic, why is it important that we understand the origins of such a romantic product as perfume? I think that, yeah, there's many, many answers <laughs> to, to your question. The first one, I think, is I discovered over the years that the fact that we keep having on what I call the perfumer's palette, things like the ingredient I mentioned, honestly, is, is pretty much a miracle because some of them trace back like 5,000 years in history, like in the case of the frankincense resin or the benzoin or the labdanum gum. So it's like this, this huge tapestry that has kept unrolling in, in all these centuries, and, and it could very well have stopped somewhere along the line and disappeared, but it did not. And, and, and this is fascinating. And the other thing about perfume is that it's a bottle of perfume in its own way, aside from being supported and promoted by celebrities, is a celebration of nature, of what nature can give us as, as the best things. And, and I often give this uh, image that one liter, to do one liter of rose essential oil, you need to pick one million flowers, one by one, handpicked in the fields of Bulgaria or Turkey to do this. So it's this amazing phenomenon of nature being concentrated into its utter richness. And I think perfume is very special for that, very special. And when you open a bottle of perfume and when you had the luck, the chance of knowing where these ingredients come from, you can almost, in the smell that you receive, I can revive the stories of each of these ingredients that are completely combined into the bottle. And when you open the bottle and, and the perfume goes again in the air, it's like all these ingredients telling again their own story. I wish that people could see you talk actually, Dominic, because the way that you are moving when you talk about the magic that is perfume, when you, you can see and almost feel how important and how extraordinary a product like perfume is, that it goes back from the, to the beginning of sort of humanity in a way. Yes, Absolutely. I think frankincense is, is an incredible illustration of that because, you know, when the Egyptians were already crazy about perfume in Mesopotamia, they, they, they paid attention. And you realize that what happened? These people went into forest and they smelled incredible things. And from the start, there was this obsession of how can we capture the sense nature is giving us? So they go to the, the mountains of Lebanon, they cut uh, cedar trees, and they realized that cedar trees on top of being very uh, good construction wood is incredibly fragrant. And uh, that leads, you know, the King Solomon to say, I want to build my temple and my palace out of cedar wood, but because of the perfume. And, and this is extraordinary. When they discovered uh, the tomb of, of Cheops in, in the research in Egypt, there was a, a boat in the, in the tomb, a funeral boat, beautiful, that they assembled again. This boat was made of cedar and it was still fragrant. Thousand years after, it had remained fragrant. So it's just like this message of nature to us about the power of its sense. And it's overwhelming. <laughs> I just... I just love that 
whole full kind of body experience when you're talking. I can see how much it means to you, Dominic. But I want to know, how did a bloke like you, a man like you who just did a business course, I understand initially, how did you fall into this world of wonder? There you are with figures and numbers one day and then you say, no, no, I'm going to actually explore the world of scent instead. Yeah, it's 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 it's, <laughs> it's a true question. It's very personal. It's exactly what, what what you said. When I embarked for this journey, I I knew nothing about the industry. I think my luck and my privilege was to be given the opportunity to discover in the fields. Why most people will discover in doing marketing for perfume brands, you know. So it's it's a whole different approach. So when I entered these fields of uh, labdanum in 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 southern Spain, and I find myself my clothes covered with the gum, the fragrant gum that was exuding in the summer sun, I realized that it was much more than business. You know, happening there. And I think my luck was to discover my own sensibility and, and my own perception really, really responded to that. And, and I think uh, when I had the luck in every country to encounter incredible characters dedicating their lives to that, I was completely taken by the, the richness of these people, by their lives. So it's a whole combination. It's the richness of sense the richness of the people taking care of that, the humility and and, and the greatness of, of the humble pickers in the field. All of that corresponds to my <laughs> to, to what I like and to the image I want to have of, of life. And the idea that in my own very little limited way, I, I contributed to connect the fragrant fields with the finished bottle, that's you know that that is for me uh, really something uh, extraordinary. <laughs> really, it really is. So when you sort of first came across that overwhelming notion that you could use, you could base your career on on smelling and gathering stories and scents. When you understood that you could do that, was that something that you? felt that you had an innate type of knowledge to do? Or was that something that over the decades that you've been in this field, that you've managed to learn and become a greater expert? Is it like that? You Can you become more knowledgeable? Uh, people often ask me, you know, oh, you, you you must be one of these famous noses, and and you know, <laughs> actually, I started from scratch. I started from nothing. I couldn't smell any any better than than, than most of us, and uh, so it's exactly the the process that you describe. Experience build everything. I was very fortunate because. Sometimes you can be limited to uh, go to Italy and source uh, citrus oils, bergamot, and that's it. Just I was fortunate enough because in, in in those decades, I had the luck of traveling everywhere in the world and covering the entire palette. So one thing leading into another, I was so struck by the similarities of what I was experiencing in the lavender fields in the mountains of France, in the bergamot the fruits in, in Calabria and with the, the Peru balsam in the trees of Salvador, I could see so many similarities that this image of a tapestry really went stronger and stronger for me. I was building my knowledge. I was building my experience. 
And to the point where uh, I never thought for a long time of writing a book about it. And then I was telling my friends all around me about it. And at some point, they all sat down and they said, Dominique, you, you just don't realize what you're talking about. You know, you have to write this down. We forbid you not <laughs> to write the book. <laughs> you know, in some ways, your book even though there is some sadness, and I want to get to that, but in in a way you have found the means of linking every country in the world together. And I find that mind-blowing. When I first started reading your book, I hadn't realised that I would be travelling around the world with you. Again, I'm very fortunate about that. It, it got to the point where within my work and my company, I was so taken by these people and these stories that I tried to gather them physically at some point because so many of these people do exactly the same things, but they don't know each other because they're so isolated in their own world. So I, I created something that was called Naturals Together. And the characters of my book, the beautiful woman doing vanilla in Madagascar, the guy doing rose oil, the lady doing the frankincense, or this other, other lady doing Peru balsam, all amazing characters, many of them women. I, I gathered them in one location. They all went to, to Geneva, and it was fabulous because wow. after like one hour, they were forgetting about me, and they were talking to each other, and they were exchanging, and they were realizing how much they had in common. And to see a lady from Madagascar discussing with a Bulgarian guy or, or, or with someone from Bangladesh or, or from Indonesia, was it, it was the world, the fragrant world gathered all together. I want to go to that dinner party, Dominique. I want to go there. Yes. <laughs> so over these decades that you've been traveling and gathering in, in your way, there's been some sadness, like you have gone to countries where the environmental crisis has obviously had an impact. And what does that do, do you think, in the long term? What is that going to do to the whole field of, of perfume that we are now facing? Terrible environmental damage. I'm yes. thinking about the earthquakes that you talk about or yep. the violence around gathering vanilla pods and, and you know, just what is happening to the, the world in that way. I think basically there are two two, two stories here. The, the, the first mm -hmm. one is the sad story of less developed countries. I give the examples in the book of vanilla in Madagascar and vetiver in Haiti. Without going into too many details, you know, it's getting to a point. Poverty is such, and, and sometimes the violence and, and, and everything, and the lack of the authorities not doing anything for their people is such that you... You start saying, you know, I came here to do some kind of business, but really, you know, I I, I don't know if I'll be able to do it because mm. because being confronted with with such poverty was was really tough. That's the first thing. The second thing in your question is, will climate change put an end to some of these stories? It is possible, but I I remain optimistic because I think most of these people in most of these countries have been through already a lot. 
you know, it takes a lot to cross centuries and still carrying your product. Like, for instance, when I came to Bulgaria in the 90s, uh, the communist era just ended and the country was in ruins and the rose industry was in ruins. And now it's revived and it's and it's great again. And, and the guys have come back to being very proud of what their country does for rose. So everything can be rescued or the example I think would be interesting for your readers is, is how Australia yeah. saved, because that's the real world, saved uh, the sandalwood that had disappeared from India and doing uh, new plantations and now offering Indian sandalwood oil from Australia on the market for the, the, the immense pleasure of of the perfumers. So there are beautiful stories. There are ways to continue, but there are threats. You're right. And I think the major threat, it's true for perfume, like in, in, in agriculture also, is the lack of water. Sorry for, <laughs> I know there are a lot of floods currently uh, in, in the country, but in, in, in general, the changes translate into uh, the land lacking uh, water. So that means that these people will have more and more to irrigate their fields, irrigate the jasmine fields in India, the rose, irrigate the lavender in France, all of this. But again, it's the industry, the perfume industry has to face its responsibilities. You know, if, if we want to continue with these products and the perfumers absolutely need them, we have to recognize more and more that they are a luxury in itself. It's not only the bottle of perfume, which is luxury. Each ingredient, a rose oil, is an incredible luxury. Jasmine is, is luxury. All of them are luxury. Patchouli, vetiver. So it's the responsibility of the industry is recognized that these ingredients are luxury and to give them the value they deserve. And those changes are happening, it seems to me. Yes, more and more. And they are happening under the pressure of the consumer, which is very encouraging because young people, they don't want, you know, things to be a little bit mysterious and hidden. They want transparency. They want clarity. They want to be sure that if they buy a perfume that contains vanilla, then where does it come from in Madagascar? How was it crafted? You know, were children involved in the picking of vanilla or not? And under what conditions? And all these questions are so legitimate. They're right to ask and they have the right to know. It seems to me that this is why your book is important and it's important that we all read it now because not only have you captured the romance and the historical value of perfume, but you are you cannot be romantic without being optimistic. And it seems to me that in a way this is what this book is about. Not only is it a travel book, not only is it a sensory book, but it is the stories and the resilience and the integrity of people across the world coming together. We're running out of time, but I want to ask you two more questions if I can. I want to ask you, and I imagine that you are going to be extraordinary in this answer, what is your favourite place in the world in terms of scent? Where do you feel the most relaxed, the most at one with the world. Where is that? Northern Laos, in the hidden villages where they grow the benzoin trees. I've never met people that are more gentle. They're just uh, extraordinary. These people living in their villages in the forest, in the silence, 
respecting the trees, uh, respecting their traditions, and, uh, and making sure that the benzoin growing is fully integrated in their rice growing and everything else. And the smile and the way the children in these villages have greeted me, how we sang together, I, I tell a little bit in the book about that, will stay with me forever, forever. You're a lucky man. You're a lucky, lucky man. Tell me what it's like here in Melbourne when you're travelling through. Have you been on public transport here in Melbourne? Not yet. Not yet. Oh. I will. A sensory overload coming your way, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe the scent of Melbourne? It's the urban sense. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting question because perfumers are so eager to do new creations mm -hmm. that they play a lot with what we would consider in the beginning as terribly bad smells, you know, mm. rubber, hot asphalt, petroleum, metal. All these notes have something that speaks to them and leather. And they play with it and they combine it. And I think more and more uh, they will try, you know, instead of saying, okay, my new perfume is about a beautiful path in Himalaya smelling of rhododendrons, I don't know what. They will say, this is a hot summer night in Melbourne. And I, I tried to capture what I felt here with uh, maybe the humidity of the air, with maybe all the first fallen leaves on the ground that, that start to decay. There's, there's a bunch of, of these uh, smells that you wouldn't think of as perfumes that are very intriguing and that they develop a lot. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your work in search of perfumes. What I hadn't realized and what I want to say to everyone out there that is listening is if you are somebody that believes in plot lines, that it believes in the power of stories and the layers of each story so that you can come to a conclusion, do consider the sense that you're wearing in a very similar way. Dominic has shown me through his writing that each perfume is, in fact, a layer upon layer till it comes to a wonderful conclusion, till it comes to the, the plot of the story so that you can go out there in a sort of global way. Every scent that you wear comes from each corner of the world. It was not something that I had considered, but I'm telling you, I reckon perfume lovers and book lovers have something in common. There's a kinship there. And you have made me see that, Dominique. And so to you, I'm terribly, terribly grateful. And I'm delighted to have had you on the Readings Podcast today. Thank you for such kind words. I, I, it touches me uh, completely. Thank you very much. It was great to talk to you. You can stream previous episodes of The Readings Podcast at our website, where you'll also find all kinds of other recommendations for great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to e-news or to receive our free monthly newsletter, The Readings Monthly. The Readings Podcast is produced by me, Nico Kelly. The show's music is by Tom Hoskins. 
All episodes of this show are recorded and produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to acknowledge traditional owners of this land and pay my earnest respects to elders past, present and emerging.